0: Previously, on Little Bit Leave It. Hello everyone, welcome back to Little Bit Leave It, the podcast where we talk Love Island UK in the USA. My name is Ben and today I am all by myself because we are bringing you a compilation episode with some new content. That's right, it's our Wales Spectacular. First, we will take you on a little road trip going from North Wales all the way down to Cardiff. We will do a deep dive into the Welsh rabbit or rarebit, depending on how secure you are in your class position. And Becca, We'll go through the Welsh Christmas tradition of the Mary Lloyd, which is uh, very strange and very interesting, and that is content that you have never heard before unless you are a Patreon supporter of the podcast. You can support us at patreon.com slash it, but really you can just listen to this episode for free, too. That's fine with us. So enjoy our Welsh Spectacular! Today we are going to talk about whales in Anna of Cana.
1: Oh, womp womp, dad joke.
0: Yes, in Anna of Cana we're going to talk a little bit about whales and... This specific idea, we didn't actually just come up with it 10 minutes ago. We're
1: not that smart. No.
0: It really started over a dinner conversation I had with our four-year-old son about playgrounds. Specifically, we were talking about strange places that you might find playgrounds. Uh, We decided we were going to try to find a playground that was underground. But what we found was a decommissioned slate quarry in Wales. That has been converted into a public park. And if you head down into the old quarry, you can actually buy a ticket for a zipline attraction or an underground trampoline park, which looks really, really cool. I encourage everybody to go check this out. No, Um,
1: dude, there's fucking coronavirus everywhere. Don't go to the trampoline park, you idiots. No,
0: I meant like I was going to say on Google. There are cool (laughs) photos that you should check them out on Google. Because, yeah, it's not open right now because we are in the middle of the night there. It's not open right now because we are in the middle of a global pandemic. And yes, it is. It is the middle of the night there while we're recording. So that got me thinking, are there any other old industrial sites that have been turned into tourist attractions? So... I told you about this idea about building a deep dive around this, and you told me that that sounded extremely boring. It is
1: still really boring.
0: But it turns out there really wasn't that much else out there in terms of other kind of old industrial stuff that's now tourist attractions. But um, I did find some really weird stuff.
1: Tetanus doesn't really draw in the visitors. Yeah,
0: tetanus is not a big... A big selling point. But I found some really strange roadside attractions, unusual legends, and a wide variety of tourist traps designed to part a fool from his hard-earned dollar. Or hard-earned pound, I suppose. Uh, In other words, I found a slice of Americana. The Welsh. They're just like us. What this really reminded me of was the Midwest. Once you get about 100 miles west of New York City, you start finding these types of places. One of my favorites actually is Roadside America in Shartlesville, Pennsylvania. Yes, you heard that right, Shartlesville. And that's where I saw the largest scaled model town I've ever seen. I think it's the largest one in North America, maybe the world. I'm not sure. By the way, it is for sale right now if you want to buy it. So anyway, I thought that we would do a National Lampoon's vacation style road trip where do you think we're headed
1: first or end destination
0: our end destination
1: our final destination
0: yep where do you think we might be headed
1: well do you want me to guess because i know the answer oh yeah
0: we did we already talk about it yeah we already talked about it. we're going to the mother flippin disney store in Cardiff. yeah Shanice is chuffed she's in the back seat and we are starting though way up north cardiff's all the way down in South Wales.
1: We're listening to Give It Away Now because she loves red hot chili peppers.
0: Yeah, it's all red hot chili peppers all day long. We're starting up at St. Winifred's Well. Like any good tourist attraction, this one has a bunch of knockoffs poised to take advantage of ignorant tourists. So make sure you actually go to the right one. This one is the one in the appropriately named town of Holy Well. Uh, You really do not want to go out of your way to see a regular old well that's now or once was owned by some random woman named Winifred. This is St. Winifred's Well. It's actually a pretty cool story. Winifred was a righteous babe way back in the Middle Ages. In your And there was this dude and he was pursuing her.
1: Like chasing her or like wooing her? Wooing
0: her. He was wooing her. And she did not want to get with this dude she rebuffed his advances and he decided to cut off her head (laughs) shit yeah so he cut off her head but then her head hits the ground and right at the spot her head hits the ground a natural spring bubbles up from the earth Maybe
1: dead, but I made water, bitch.
0: So now uh, they've built a church around this. And, oh, by the way, her brother was also a saint. So her brother actually resurrected her a few days later, I guess.
1: Well, now this is just ridiculous.
0: Yeah, now it's ridiculous. You ha-
1: the well I could get behind, but the brother resurrecting her. Like, come on, Ben. I'm not a Christian. I don't do resurrections unless it's like zombies or something.
0: This is kind of not really that Christian either. No, it's
1: like pagan or something. Yeah, this
0: is more uh, of the Celtic mythology, I think. So from there, we're going to go due west to Kunwe to visit the smallest house in Great Britain. And uh, this is a very stupid attraction, in my view, but it does measure out to, uh, do you know the area of the smallest house in Great Britain? How many square feet it is? 420. No, it's much smaller than that.
1: 69
0: nice yep now we're gonna get back in the car we're gonna go down to snowdonia national park there's a couple cool things there
1: when do we get to 7-eleven
0: let's do that after we leave the national park is that cool i think that you're gonna like this okay all right so you've heard of the loch ness monster yes okay so did you know that Wales has its own discount loch ness monster (laughs) wish.com it's his name is teggy Yeah, Teggy. We're not going to find him because he does not exist. But do you know what does exist? Gellert's grave. Gellert is probably the most celebrated dog in the United Kingdom, if not the Western Hemisphere. So this is another really cool story.
1: How celebrated is he? I've never heard of him.
0: Well, this grave is like a big tourist attraction. Again, Google the photos. It's a big deal for a dog grave. I'll just say that.
1: I guess it's like Hachiko, right? In Japan.
0: I have no, I don't know about that.
1: Well, there you go. I guess next time I'll have a sad dog story for you.
0: Okay. This story takes place in, I think, the 13th century. There was a Prince Llewellyn and he went out one day for a hunt, but his dog, his hound, loyal hound, was nowhere to be found and he went out for his hunt by himself and he came back. And the dog runs up to him. The dog has got blood on his mouth and bloody paws. He goes into his house and then he goes into his son. The prince goes into his son's room and he sees blood in the crib and he sees ripped up sheets. And he just turns around and takes his sword and just stabs the dog. Stabs his loyal hound, Gellert.
1: Talking about jumping to conclusions. And
0: Well, just you see here. So then... The dog's dying cry is met by the cry of a child. And Llewellyn turns around and he sees his son, his baby son, unharmed. And he sees the carcass of a dead wolf that his loyal hound, Gellert, had killed, saving his heir.
1: Oh, shit. He must feel so bad. So
0: Gellert buries what a dumbass. his dog. And he has said never to smile again.
1: He doesn't deserve to smile again. That was fucked up. It
0: was a very sad, sad story.
1: I'll bring you a sad dog story next time. I'll
0: tell you this. We are not done with dog graves, but we do need to take a little break from thinking about dead dogs, I think.
1: Yeah, fair fair? enough.
0: All right. Okay. But we'll get back to dog graves in just
1: a second. (laughs) Awesome. So
0: 7-Eleven, what are you going to get?
1: Slushy, always.
0: Yeah, I got some beef jerky.
1: Control.
0: Yeah, I got some iced tea. All right, so now we're going to, oh man, I did not look up the pronunciation of this one Port Marion Village. It is not a real village. Uh, it was built by a nobleman about 80 years ago. He bought this estate and he wanted his own private Italian village. So this guy went all out. He designed ruins into the town, just like in the real Italy. It's a hodgepodge of architectural styles. He was not going for accuracy. This place is really weird. There's giant chessboards and weird sculptures. It was also the set of uh, a TV show called The Prisoner. I think it's a pretty famous English TV show.
1: No, that sounds rad.
0: Yeah, it, it does look like it really works all together, even though it's kind of jumbled. But yeah, very, very cool. So let's get back in the car because we're just going to quickly go to the other side of his estate, which he bought. And now this predates the fantasy village. Oh, look. It's a giant dog cemetery.
1: No more dead dogs.
0: Yeah, huge, huge dog cemetery. Also a on this pet guy's... cemetery? Yep, yeah, yeah, also on this guy's property. Let's get back in the car.
1: Yes, please.
0: Let's get back in the car. And we are going to quickly backtrack, though it's not too far out of our way, uh, just to go to the abandoned slate quarry that inspired this whole dumb exercise. So... We said enough about that already. Let's go south to another dumb attraction, the world's smallest movie theater. So Soul Cinema is in, uh, is another one I did not look up, Saradigian. I'm sure I butchered that. I noticed that it was dumb. But it's actually really cool. It's a little kind of trailer that is set up as an eight person movie theater and it is solar powered. So if you are a film buff, you will probably like it. But you don't have to go to some random town in South Wales. You can find it at a festival somewhere else in the UK. But no visit to Wales is complete without a stop at the Big Pit National Coal Museum. Woo! I want to say like if there's one thing I knew about Wales uh, before all of this. This was that there was a lot of coal mining. Is that from Billy Elliot? Does that take place in Wales? Are they coal miners in Billy Elliot?
1: Yeah, but isn't it? It's not in Newcastle.
0: Yeah, you think you're right. Yeah, Newcastle. Anyway, for some reason, I knew about Wales and coal. So if you get tired about learning about coal at the Big Pit National Coal Museum, you can always head down into the basement where they age cheddar cheese. So
1: What pit is that? Yeah.
0: <laughs> at this point. We've been driving a lot. The last two places have not been too active, so let's go over to Super Tubing, the longest slides in the entire UK, over 120 meters Wait, long. Wait, I gotta
1: pee first.
0: Oh, okay. All right, we'll stop at a rest stop, though I hope you have some change, because in the UK, all the restrooms cost money.
1: Yeah, no shit.
0: No <laughs> shit, exactly. Not unless you got uh, 50p.
1: Not every I, of course I have 50p I gotta go
0: <laughs> oh wow I'm
1: at 100p now 100p oh man no I tried to um, I tried to use a public restroom in a McDonald's in Amsterdam when I was tripping balls on mushrooms and the lady and I did not have a good time trying to figure out what was going on with the other one there was nothing wrong with her I just wasn't living in the same like time space reality as she was I gave her the money though and I did get into the bathroom Mm -hmm. It has a happy ending. That's
0: good. I hope it was cleaner than the average New York City McDonald's
1: bathroom.
0: Oh, 100%. 100%. So slides get old pretty fast. And now we're going to do something that is really, really cool. We're going to go to the Royal Mint Experience.
1: Ah, mint.
0: Yes, that's right. You are going to learn all about how coins are made. What could be more fascinating? You will learn the histories of over... One hundred countries. Dude,
1: I'm totally in. Like none of these so far sound that bad. I am all aboard.
0: If that's not enough, you could go on the great British coin hunt. Woo! Yeah, I think it's kinda like that baking show, except there's no food.
1: No, it's probably like digging in sand with little shovels. I only love sand, but I like digging. And I think coins are dope. I have a collection of old coins my grandmother brought back when she traveled through Europe and South America.
0: Yeah, I have coins as well. Yeah. Coins are cool, I I agree. Everything
1: I have, you have to have. Sorry. You know, stop being so competitive with me. I'm just better.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm just, I just look up to you. You know, I just, I just want to be like you. So it's flattery, right? Sure. You know? So did I hear you say that you wanted to make your own coin? Because you can at the Royal Mint Experience. No, I
1: said I want to make some coin.
0: So anyway, this coin that you make there, it is legal tender.
1: Mama but- got the Lego catalog. Mama needs some coin.
0: <laughs> so you can put that in your pipe and smoke it. Actually, yeah. no, don't do that because you can't smoke a coin. But you could bring it to our final destination, the Cardiff Disney Store. We've gotten here. You might think that this was a kind of one of those big deal stores, you know, on a high street. Its own storefront based on how Shaunice was talking about how she goes out of her way to drive there from Bristol.
1: Oh, like the Copenhagen Lego store?
0: Yeah, like the Copenhagen Lego store, which actually was a little disappointing.
1: Oh, it was so cute. Everything is small there.
0: Yes, that's true. It was super cute. Yes. I guess that was just my Americanness. ness I'm like, oh, it needs to be really big because this is the headquarters. and
1: It was so like respectful of the space and you know, yeah. a lot of cool displays. It was cool.
0: You know, I'm the urban planner. I should be the one talking like that. It's really... Uh, oh,
1: you rubbed off on me. It's a
0: disgrace. I'm a disgrace. So anyway, this, this store is actually in a mall. Oh. And uh, you found that out, did you?
1: Yeah, I Googled it to see if it was a big, beautiful Disney store. And it's a mall. So, So, you know, it's between uh, Foot Locker and Lids.
0: Yes, yeah, between Foot Locker and Lids, the Disney store. Here we are. But you know what? We have driven across the entire damn country of Wales. We did not stop for lunch. Let's hit the food court. Let's get to this deep dive on Welsh rabbits.
1: Hippity hoppity rabbits?
0: Nope. Welsh rabbit is that thing, sort of, that Kana, with a G, made for Sophie for breakfast.
1: Should he cheese on toast?
0: Well, it's not really just cheese on toast, though. Occasionally, that is how one might prepare it at home. However, really, you're supposed to toast the cheese and the bread separately, and then you put the toasted cheese on the toasted bread. Whereas cheese on toast, you would grate the cheese, put a slice of cheese on bread, and then just toast it, right?
1: Grilled. Yeah, broiled until melted and golden, yes. Right.
0: Slight variation. But in any case, Connor decides to share some of this native culture with Sophie in the form of a breakfast that, as O.G. Connor and others point out, that breakfast looks awful. I think Connor with a G actually does call it a Welsh rarebit, and he says it's a delicacy from his homeland. Looks to me like American cheese melted on a slice of bread. You know, people make fun of British cooking, but I found it hard to believe that they melt shitty cheese on bread and give it its own special name.
1: Well, I saw a recipe and it was a mixture of milk and cheese. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Yeah, he doesn't quite get it. He doesn't quite do the Welsh rabbit justice. Turns out there actually is an interesting story behind this dish, which you can believe it. The dish is over 500 years old. And like a lot of other aspects of English culture, you find remnants of the cultural domination of the Anglo-Saxons, the domination they pursued over the conquered Celtic peoples uh, after the fall of the Roman Empire, which I know that sounds like a stretch and maybe a little crazy. Bear with me. So there's this old joke, which was originally published in 1526. It says... God asks St. Peter to do something about all these boisterous Welshmen who were in heaven because they were drinking and yelling, causing a a lot of discomfort to the more uptight Englishmen who had also ascended. So St. Peter pulls a classic prank. He gets on, like, the heavenly loudspeaker and says, there's a bunch of toasted cheese outside the pearly gates. So all of the Welshmen, they get up and they run as fast as they can to go get that cheese. And then St. Peter quickly closes the gates behind them. Hence, there are no Welshmen in heaven. And that joke is a play on, I guess, the fact that there really is a tradition of the Welsh eating toasted cheese as a kind of staple of their diets. That's cool. Yeah.
1: That's a good choice.
0: Yeah. So that joke, yeah, it's kind of the two cultural forces that really combine to give us the Welsh rare bit.
1: So wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. In fifteen hundred they knew what loudspeakers were?
0: No, I added the loudspeaker oh, just thing. Joking. Yeah. No, that's my when you tell a joke, you try to give it your own kind of spin, your own language, so it sounds a little bit more natural.
1: Did you just mansplain jokes to me?
0: I just did. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. That was also a joke.
1: Was it? Yep, it was.
0: But you can be the judge at home, folks. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway. yes. so we got these two cultural forces explained in that joke that really give us the Welsh rarebit, which is the English stereotyping the Welsh as stupid to assert their superiority and the Welsh love of hot cheese.
1: So where does this come into the rarebit rabbit, though?
0: So... Rarebit is actually a more recent invention. The dish was known at least as far back as the early 18th century as Welsh rabbit. The Rarebit didn't emerge until later in the 18th century the first occasion of anyone having a rarebit associated with it. Rabbit goes back into 16th, probably the 17th century, maybe the 16th century, it's maybe 500 years old, which is kind of nuts. So the joke was that either the Welsh were too poor to afford real rabbit or too stupid to know the difference that was why it was called welsh rabbit there's no doubt that welsh people actually really love toasted cheese i mean who doesn't and it's really popular still today so i have good news for those of you who think kana is an idiot bachelor who can't cook because as becca eludes a real welsh rabbit usually involves making a sauce from cheese beer mustard and maybe some spices like cayenne pepper or i could see adding nutmeg in would be pretty good A simpler version might be to just put toasted cheese on toasted bread with a little bit of mustard on it. So basically it's kind of just like a beer cheese sauce that you eat and with a big soft pretzel, but instead of a soft pretzel, you're putting it on toasted bread. That actually sounds pretty delicious. You can put a fried egg on top of it to make it a buck rabbit. That sounds pretty tasty too. So while I was doing this, I also found out that there's something called the English rabbit. So it's hilarious and disgusting because in the early 18th century, all these Englishmen, they wanted to eat the toasted cheese on toasted bread, but they didn't want to be mistaken for a dumb Welshman. So they denied themselves this essential pleasure. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. That's so
1: stupid. So
0: the author, Hannah Glass, she popularized something called the English rabbit, which was more sophisticated. So they wouldn't be ashamed of admitting that they eat it. For an English rabbit, you toast the bread. And then after you toast the bread, you put it in a plate of white wine and let it absorb the white wine. Then you put butter at the bottom of the plate. Then you put cheese on the bread. Then pour more wine on top. Then you put it back on top of an open flame or hot coals. And I think you cover it so that it should boil off some of the alcohol, and but you keep some of the liquid. And then the last part of the instruction says you stir it until it's mixed and you can add mustard if you want. But that's optional. But what's not optional is browning the top with a hot shovel. And I'm assuming here that shovel is like a cooking implement, maybe a fork or a spatula type no, thing. No, I
1: literally think it's a hot shovel.
0: Yeah. I don't think it's a giant shovel that you'd use for like, you know. So wait,
1: let me get this straight.
0: Gardening or burying someone.
1: The toast, the beer sauce on toast is for stupid people, but the drunken white wine sandwich soup. Yeah, that's
0: that's beaten, the sophisticated thing.
1: It's been beaten with a shovel, with a hot shovel. Yeah. I don't know. It sounds like something Hoda and Kathy Lee would make, though. Yeah.
0: yeah, I know. So then, of course, how did rabbit become rarebit? So those same rich cultured English people, um, they realized that, yeah, that wine soupy weird thing was gross. So those same rich cultured English people who were so insecure, they had to turn that simple, delicious snack into a mushy whiny mess. Well, they still preferred the cheese sauce on toast, but they didn't want to call it Welsh rabbit. They were really insecure. So there is no rabbit in it. How could they call it Welsh rabbit? That's when we actually start to see the term rarebit emerge. And then it starts to become considered like a delicacy because it's a rare bit, right? Rare implying there's either a limited supply or higher quality than the other bits.
1: I Wait, guess. rare according to who?
0: It's it's like a. Um, I think
1: it's just like a sound alike. No, it,
0: no, it's it is. It's a, but it was uh, done kind of like intentionally. It seems that it wasn't that someone's mishearing rabbit and calling it rare bit. It was people just started calling it that and people who were calling it that were rich people. It wasn't like the normal working class people who ate it all the time. They weren't, they still called it Welsh rabbit.
1: I'm going to join the Do Rare Bits Society. Yes,
0: exactly. We all know how English feel about doing their bits. You know, rich people through their domination of the culture, they actually flip the etymology on its head, and so it kind of becomes knowledge among the upper classes and and educated people that it really was rarebit, and rabbit is the bastardization. So, which is nuts, right? Because it was rabbit, and rarebit is the bastardization. So. Foreign visitors start calling it rarebit, and in other countries, it's called Welsh rarebit. By the 1920s, though, lexicographers, writers, linguists, they all debunked this myth, and they said, no, really, rabbit is the original, but it still persists to this day. My favorite quote from one of those writers, H.W. Fowler, said, Welsh rabbit is amusing and right. Welsh rarebit is stupid and wrong.
1: That sounds like something our friend Nick would say.
0: Yeah, but high-end chefs, it does sound very Nick, but high-end chefs persisted in calling it rarebit. You know, I'm guessing they were maybe a little afraid their customers were as insecure as their ancestors who initiated the original rebranding. So today you'll see it listed either way.
1: Well, you don't want to promise people rabbit and then give them cheese on toast.
0: Yeah, I guess I guess that's true. And that's actually a lot of the chefs, the high end chefs in European countries and the United States, they said, Oh yeah, well we don't wanna call it Welsh rabbit because then people will think there's rabbit in Although it. Although if
1: you had a nice like rabbit ravioli with like the beer cheese sauce
0: <laughs> that's actually funny, but I ravioli with beer cheese sauce. I, I think that's actually Rabbit sounds, ravioli. Yeah, that sounds funny.
1: I had a really good rabbit ravioli. Where was that? Seattle?
0: I don't know. I'm not really a big rabbit fan. I think it's kind of boring.
1: Cats like it.
0: Yeah, the cats like it. Oh, yeah. But now you know only pretentious people call it rarebit. So do yourself a favor, call it Welsh rabbit.
1: But I'm pretentious.
0: Okay, so do yourself a favor, call it Welsh rarebit, however you want to do it. It's fine with us. Okay, thanks for sticking around. Thanks for being a supporter of Little Bit Leave It on Patreon. That's right, it's time for the spoils of love. We've got a really good one today because on a very, very special spoils of love, we're going to talk about another Welsh thing. We love talking about whales on this show.
1: Well, I, didn't you throw over my... F- third installment of the whale series so i promised the people i would bring them spooky alcoholic ghost horse
0: spooky alcoholic ghost horse otherwise known as
1: Mari lloyd
0: Mari lloyd
1: so a lot of people younger than us i'm sure saw the meme going around about Mari lloyd and we just happen to be talking about whales and it just happens to be from whales so it's sort of perfect and like i said it's right before christmas so let's talk about mary lloyd Uh, The key to Mary Lloyd is a horse's skull on a stick with lights or gems for eyes.
0: Hold on, hold on. The key to Mary Lloyd, meaning like that's the central element, right? Yes. Is having a horse skull on a stick.
1: Yes. With lights or baubles for eyes and streamers or ribbons as its mane. And then there's a white sheet draped over the carrier. So hmm. it's spooky as fuck, guys. I don't like it.
0: Yeah, there are some pretty cool videos I have found on YouTube of people doing the Mari Lloyd.
1: So it's like a troop of singers. They bring this head on a stick around the neighborhood. They challenge the families to a sing off or like poetry slam. The troop have to demand entry and the residents have to sing back why the troop can't come in.
0: Like, so what do you mean? So the troop shows up and. They say, let us in. We're sorry the baby is
1: sleeping.
0: We promise to be very quiet.
1: I just washed the floors and your boots are... (laughs) I just washed the floors and your boots are very muddy.
0: We can take them off in the doorway.
1: They smell.
0: We have brought air freshener.
1: So, since the homeowner...
0: I won, yes, I get to come in now, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, so if they run out of excuses, they have to let the troop in and give them beer and food. Um, and so sometimes part of the troop were these Punch and Judy characters, like those classic old dummies, mm-hmm. I guess. And so the householders had to make Punch promise that he would not touch their fireplace. They would make him promise that before he entered. Otherwise, it was local custom to just break out the fireplace on his way out. Meanwhile, once the troop is inside, what do you think is going on?
0: Nothing good, I'm guessing.
1: Let's see. They chase the family around with the horse head on a stick, snapping its jaws, downright terrifying the little children. Wow. They eat the food. They drink the beer. There's musicians to quote unquote entertain the people and they eat all their food. Yeah.
0: So they come, they eat your food, drink your beer and scare your children. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a great time.
1: So I, I had to look into the origins because we are a nerd show. And so no one's really sure where it comes from. It kind of seems like a bunch of things came together to form this weird tradition.
0: But it's pre-Christian, right? Maybe. Oh.
1: May- I think it's one of the elements. So let me, let me just yeah, get into yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I will get into it. It's okay. So one Welsh translation of it is Grey Mare. Which connects to the heritage of pale horses in Celtic and British mythology, who can cross to the underworld. So there's your ghost horse. Ah. Uh, another translation for Mary for Mary Lloyd is Grey Mary, uh, which is linked to the nativity story. But most people do believe that it comes from pre-Christian pagan origins, and it would happen around the solstice, the winter solstice, which is why it's done between Christmas and New Year. Although some, also, some people also think it might have connections to Samhain. Did I say that right?
0: Samhain. I don't know. Samhain is, was the Glenn Danzig band.
1: <laughs> no, the, uh, the fall, like the pagan Halloween.
0: Oh, I don't know.
1: So it's also got similarities to other hooded animal customs in Britain, like the hoodening in Kent, which I did not look up.
0: The Hoodening in Kent?
1: Yeah. And the What's old... the Hoodening
0: in Kent? I didn't look it, it up. Like, uh, you can't just tease us with the Hoodening and not tell us about it. That sounds like a really, it sounds actually like like a KKK themed horror movie.
1: Isn't it better to just guess? Yeah. I and mean, not to be confused with the old Tup in Derbyshire. What's the old Tup in Derbyshire? Look, I hadn't looked that up either. Okay. But it involves a group of poor people trying to find food and money in the harsh depths of winter, which then connects to wassailing, where the peasants go singing to the feudal lords in exchange for booze and gifts. And that is basically the premise of We Wish You a Merry Christmas, by the way.
0: Is what? Wassailing? Wassailing. So, which is kind of like
1: busking, right?
0: It's kind of like begging, almost, right? Yeah,
1: kind of. But they say we're not the usual beggars that you see. We're your friends. This is literally part of it. That's so funny that you say it like that. Wow. Yeah. So (laughs) on
0: on Christmas, your friends will beg from you.
1: (laughs) So entertainment was their method with a side portion of menace. So then just to wrap it up, I want to read a little part of a ballad. Is that okay?
0: But now you remind, so now bring us some figgy pudding, right? And like, we're not going to leave until we get some figgy. Yeah. Wow. This is all kind of coming together as, as a Jew, this is very educational.
1: Okay, so a poet named Vernon Watkins wrote The Ballad of the Mary Lloyd. And I was going to read it, but it's 19 pages. <laughs> so wow. Don't, so that's don't a, worry.
0: Yeah, that's too long. That's uh, that's too much of a commitment. I'm
1: only going to read the first stanza. Is that okay? It's terrifying. Okay. Or is there something else you wanted to say? Because I feel like... No,
0: there's be. nothing else. I want, I want to hear this. I'm okay. actually... I'm kind of disappointed there's only one stanza. But please, no, go ahead.
1: It's long enough. Good. Ballad of the Mary Lloyd. Mary Lloyd... Horse of Frost, Star Horse, and White Horse of the Sea is carried to us. The dead return. Those exiles carry her. They who seem holy and have put on corruption. They who seem corrupt and have put on holiness. They strain against the door. They strain towards the fire which fosters and warms the living. The living who have cast them out from their own fear, from their own fear of themselves, into the outer loneliness of death, rejected them, and cast them out forever. The living cringe and warm themselves at the fire, shrinking from that loneliness, that singleness of heart. The living are defended by the rich warmth of the flames, which keeps that loneliness out. Terrified, they hear the dead tapping at the panes. Then they rise up, armed with the warmth of firelight and the condition of scorn. It is New Year's night. Midnight is burning like a taper. In an hour, in less than an hour it will be blown out it is the moment of conscience the living moment the dead moment listen so that's the first of the 19 pages sweet yeah it's super metal
0: yeah i'm i'm into it
1: very edgar allan poe i
0: think we've got a an idea for a bonus episode will just be okay. a reading of the 19 page mary lloyd
1: dude you have no idea how into that i would be
0: okay let's do it We'll do that as a bonus episode if, for next December, maybe.
1: If you're a patron at a certain level, I'll let you join the readout loud. because oh. it actually is more of a play. OK. It's where how I'm many roles let's i don't know i didn't count right, but we'll
0: we'll uh we'll do a separate post about this if you're in the true brit society we will um,
1: and you can read words from a page if you're not good at reading out loud please don't volunteer because i will have to tell you that you're not good at it
0: yeah yeah and it'll be fr- uh, probably a little bit first come first serve first we'll figure it out and we'll let you guys know actually we'll, we'll post about it
1: but now i'm really excited so if you don't join me i'm gonna do it myself and you don't really want that
0: be, we got a lot of time to figure it out. I mean, if it's a December holiday thing, we don't have to figure it out for a while. Or we could just do it because we're we're talking about it now. I don't know.
1: Why the hell can't we do both? We'll do it every year, twice a year.
0: Yeah, we'll do it every, every year, once a year. How about that? Okay. Okay. All right, so...
1: How are you going to follow that?
0: I don't know. It's very tough to follow anything about it. I guess, you know, the only real spoilery content that really occurred to me during this episode was... I did not remember at all the Rebecca Finley thing. Obviously, it's very short. It's only, you know, half an episode. I uh, did not remember that. But the bigger thing, obviously, is that Shanice sets the stage for her own downfall here when she encourages Rebecca to just go for whomever her heart desires. And that's very sad. And I guess we see that in the episodes. But so. it's
1: going to be fine. Because in come the Luke's.
0: Yeah, that's right. The Lukes, we're in episode 10, and both of them make it through the rest of the way. This is a short season. It's only yeah. about 33, 34 yeah, episodes. Yeah, but that's not the
1: important part. The important part is that Rebecca is going to go after Luke T.
0: Oh, yeah, I know. That's right. Yeah, she goes after first Connor with a G, then And she's going to get
1: Connor with a G, then she's going to ditch him for Luke T.
0: Right. But then uh, Luke T ends up not really being into her. So both of the Lukes coming in, this is a big, that's a big deal, I think. Just because they are in the last two thirds here of the season. You know, I don't know. Luke M kind of never really finds a place, never really finds a girl. And kind of just floats around. I didn't really... I I don't think he's that compelling throughout the season.
1: No, his intro was like, I'm Luke and I'm going to take, I look like Justin Bieber and I'm going to take your girl. But the Luke in the, in the villa is a meek, mild. Yeah. He's actually a nice guy. I like him. There's nothing wrong with him. I like him. I don't like the guy he is in his little intro,
0: but he is
1: a meeker, milder guy. Mild is okay. Yeah. He doesn't raise his voice. He doesn't really show anger. And you know, he was mugged a little bit
0: oh one uh another thing totally changing the subject rebecca part of the reason she's good for the show is that she really does help drive the action a lot oh my god yeah there's
1: been no drama who is that that sat down and resolved all this like mike and shauna and Paige and finn and callum and shauna all these people resolving their issues so peacefully and adult yeah it's so boring
0: yeah, no, it's there is needs to be more uh, immaturity on the show. And thank you, Rebecca, for shaking it up.
1: All these people are so emotionally secure. Fuck you guys.
0: No, I don't know about that. They're just not uh, confrontational. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's nice to have a character on the show, a contestant actually drive some of the drama instead of the producers. So that's yeah. nice. Um, and uh, we don't really see a whole lot of that on this season till Callum ditches shauna at casa more i think that's kind of the big contestant driven thing that we're going to see next right uh
1: no i think leanne dumping mike oh
0: yeah leanne dumping mike in a very dumb strategic move um <laughs> but yeah because she immediately she gets eliminated because the guys are choosing he's not going to choose Leanne. yeah i think
1: casa more because no there's another big one well i guess that's producer connor getting eliminated is producer driven
0: yeah yeah. Okay.
1: So yeah, Leanne dumping Mike. Uh, Leanne
0: I, dumping Mike, and then and then Callum dumping Shauna.
1: Yeah, and then the romances.
0: Yeah, but those are. I mean, who knows how producer driven those are. Well, they're
1: still together. Paige and Finn and, and Shauni and Luke are still together. And Shauni and Luke. Shauni you know. and Luke started a clothing line. Oh God. They're cute.
0: Yeah. No, actually, I should. I'll probably buy some of the stuff.
1: It's, like, very into, like, you know how Champion is, like, cool again?
0: Oh, it's athleisure? Yeah. That actually makes a lot of sense that that they would have an athleisure line.
1: Yeah, they're so 90s hip-hop dancing. Like, that's what they make me think of. And they had their little coordinated outfits, and they do that, like, little dance together. They're so, like, 90s. It makes me laugh. I don't know.
0: I don't know. You know what I do know? I think that we're kind of running out of steam here. Yeah. On spoils. So thank you again for being a supporter on patreon we really do appreciate your loyalty
1: yeah i still can't get the wording right thank you for being a patreon of us like
0: patron no they're patrons and the website is patreon
1: okay don't patronize me no i do want them to patronize me patronize me daddy (laughs) okay that's it i got things to do i got snacks to eat
0: yeah all right bye everybody